This is the penultimate week before Holy Week. This is the last time at our evening mass today where we will send out the people from RCIA for further instructions. This reading, these readings are chosen as the final set of instructions for those who are coming into the church. And they are very powerful readings. Our first reading is from Ezekiel, the technicolor prophet, with all the crazy visions he has, and this is by far probably the most dramatic of them. The second reading is from the 8th chapter of Romans, which theologians say is the most important chapter in all of the writings of Paul. And our gospel is the last and the greatest of the seven signs of the book of the gospel of John. It's the story of Lazarus, which is one of the most misunderstood passages in the entire Bible. Pay attention to the secondary characters as you hear it today. Thomas the Apostle, who recognizes that we are called to die with Christ. Mary of Bethany, who realizes that Christ's very presence gives life. And Martha, whose statements of faith have been repeated at funerals for almost 2,000 years. And yet, Jesus weeps because he's angry that no one, not even these three companions of his, recognize his power over life and death. This Lent, Jesus Christ has led us through the desert, down the mountain, to the grave. Will we have the strength of faith to hear his message there? Twelve years ago, I belonged to a tiny little parish in the little town of Harmerville, Pennsylvania. And the pastor there was a man named Father Hugh McCormley. Father McCormley was a quiet, unassuming man with a reputation for giving the most tender, most sensitive funeral homilies. Most of the people of the parish had no idea how he had acquired this skill. But decades before, he had been the chaplain at a particular hospital for many years. In fact, he was called to testify in 1977 at the U.S. Senate Special Committee on Aging regarding the deplorable treatment of the patients at that hospital. Over the years, he had buried many, many people without friends or family. I can imagine at all of these funerals, Father McCormley would have been faced with the temptation to think as Martha and Mary thought. If someone had been here to care for this person, he or she would not have died. But Father McCormley was repeatedly forced to find hope, to find greater meaning in the seeming finality of death. I'll never forget what Father McCormley would preach at those funerals that he did, that I heard those years later at Harmerville. He said, the day that my mother died was the day that I knew there was a heaven. It's one thing to hear a shy, diminutive priest in his late 60s utter these words. It's another thing to live them for ourselves. The first half of the Gospel of John is called the Book of Signs. It is structured around seven miracles that Jesus performs. Each of these miracles illustrates 
his relationship with the Father. Just to review in case you forgot. The miracles in order. Changing the water to wine. Healing the royal official's son. Healing the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. Feeding the 5,000. Walking on water. And the story we heard last week. The healing of the man born blind. Each sign heightens our understanding of Jesus' power that he receives from the Father. Each sign calls us to a deeper belief in Jesus Christ. The seventh and final sign is the most important, the most challenging. With Thomas, Martha, and Mary in tow, Jesus takes us to the point of death and beyond and shows that even there, the Father grants him life in abundance. The victory over death has been won. But do we believe it? Thomas, Martha, and Mary say some pretty remarkable things. Thomas recognizes that he and the apostles are to follow Jesus to his death. Martha believes that Jesus can work miracles even after the point of death, and she believes in the resurrection on the last day. And scholars argue that Mary, by using fewer words than Martha, is actually showing the greater sense of belief. But Jesus is not satisfied with these responses. He weeps, but not over Lazarus. He's already said that he is going to awaken Lazarus. The gospel twice says that he is perturbed. But the word perturbed that is used here is a Greek word that can also be translated as irritated, indignant, or even angry. He is perturbed at everyone else's hysterical sobbing. Now, the prophet Ezekiel was called by God to prophesy at the lowest point in the history of Israel when the people had been carted away from their homeland and taken into Babylon in exile. It was a time of despair. The people of Israel's bones were dried up. Their hope was lost. They were cut off. Psalm 137 was written during this time asking, how could we sing a song of the Lord in a foreign land? In Hamlet, I'm really jumping around here with the literature today, William Shakespeare called death the undiscovered country. How can we, who are mourning a loved one, sing a song of the Lord as we mourn someone's transition into the undiscovered country? The contemplation of death is frightening. It is the ultimate unknown. For most of us, it is the deepest loss that we will ever experience in this lifetime. I don't think that Jesus is mad for people crying at Lazarus' death. He's angry because they claim to understand God's love for us beyond death, but their actions indicate, com indicate complete despair and absolute loss of hope. My mother came from a very large family. My grandfather was the youngest of nine, and my grandmother was the oldest of ten. I believe that she had 72 first cousins, but at some point you just stopped counting. My sister and I grew up going to funeral homes a lot, but we enjoyed doing that because these were usually happy occasions, celebrating 
someone who had led a long and happy life, and it was the only time we ever saw our relatives. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand grief. My mother died four and a half years ago from colon cancer, and she was the most influential person in my life. My father died two years ago from prostate cancer, and with his passing, I no longer have any physical ties connecting me to my beloved hometown of Pittsburgh. On September 9th, 2009, yes, 09-09-09, was the day my mother died. And I was shocked to discover the strength of my belief in Jesus Christ. Like Father Hugh McCormley, the day that my mother died was the day that I knew there was a heaven. Grief is an ongoing process. But one of the most powerful moments in my grieving process was singing the final hymn at the Easter Vigil seven months later as I sang with the choir at Holy Trinity Parish in Georgetown. The tears rolled down my face as we sang this song. We shall rise again on the last day with the faithful, rich, and poor. Coming to the house of Lord Jesus, we will find an open door there. We will find an open door. Lord, send out your spirit. Breathe into us that we may have new life. Renew the face of the earth. Open the door to new possibilities for us in this life and the next.